Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Enjoy it while you can, folks. And of course, by that, I mean the remainder of the Bulls 2021-2022 basketball season as it will come to an end tonight. Terrible matchup against the Bucks, not only based on what you've seen the past two games, but for the fact that they're going to be, and I mean they, being Chicago without Zach Levine and without Alex Caruso. The Bucks now up to a 12.5 point favorite, and all hope seems to be lost for our Chicago Bulls. Welcome to it. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here. Per usual, you can follow me along on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. I'm sure I'll be complaining plenty about the lack of, uh, I guess you could just say success for this Bulls team on both ends of the floor. But yeah, after the news of Levine broke out that he's in health and safety protocols and Alex Caruso with his concussion, the Bulls went from about a 10-point underdog now to a a 12 to 12 and a half point underdog depending on where you've been shopping around but at bet rivers specifically you are seeing this spread at 12 in the hook little bit of juice toward milwaukee laying it so maybe it even gets up to 13 they're also minus a thousand on the money line is milwaukee leading the series three to one the bulls catching six to one odds as the underdog if you think they can win it outright so the total opened to 18 and a half. And again, you're missing two key pieces for Chicago. So this thing moved down now to 217 and a half. A little bit of juice to the over, minus 112. And the under is minus 109. I've got a few props I want to get into, but look, let's just let's just be honest here. I mean, it's the end of the road for Chicago. 
And honestly, I'm not even too disappointed about it. After what happened in Game 3, that told me all I needed to know for the remainder of the series. Game 2 gave you hope because they were still competitive in Game 1, but that happens. You expected a good response out of Milwaukee. You didn't get it. You got a better response out of Chicago, and they won. So then you got a little bit of excitement surrounding it. And then you saw what happened in Game 3, arguably the worst Bulls game I've seen in quite some time. And you're like, nope, still the same Bulls and even worse. The Bucks are still the Bucks, And that's fine with me, right? That's fine with the bets we made. We pulled the trigger on the Bucks 5-1 to one to win the championship. And also we bet this series to go under 5.5 games. We can cash that tonight. Or you can hedge a little bit with the Bulls at 6-1. to one. But come on, there's no need to hedge. Levine's out, Caruso's out. There's no need. The Bucs are going to win this game. It's just by a matter of how much. I'm not getting involved with the spread. If you really want to get involved in something with Milwaukee, yeah, of course I'd say bet in-game. But realistically, hey, maybe look for a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis or a halftime bet. I think it's like seven, seven and a half. But who the hell knows? You know, I talk about the fallen star theory, but I don't think... It really applies to this Bulls team when you lose two guys with an already struggling team. It really only fits the bill for a situation like Milwaukee where you still have pieces who can help out and the other team isn't completely dominant over you. You know, So the Bulls don't fit the bill for that per se. I don't like anything with the spread. I guess if I had to say something, it would be to lay it. Yes, lay that high of a spread with Milwaukee or nothing. Total, eh, I'd probably bet over, honestly, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of garbage time scoring. Like Milwaukee is going to instill their dominance immediately. And then in the second half, when they're putting in their reserves and resting some of their guys, it's just going to be lackadaisical from both sides of the ball, really, for both teams. And then just, again, garbage time points. So maybe you get this thing over. But again, I'm not going to spend too much time on the overall game. Milwaukee's going to win. It's just a matter of how much. I'm not touching the spread officially or the total. But again, I'd maybe have a little bit more faith in betting the total over as opposed to laying the spread with the Milwaukee Bucks. But what about some props? Can we cash in on some props tonight for this Bulls and this Bucks game? Well, I've talked about it a decent amount for this prop at least. And that's Nikola Vucevic and his rebounds prop. Now, 10.5 is the number and the over is about minus 106, the under minus 114, best number I saw. So you're paying a little bit to stay under with Vooch. But are we not so sure that the over is the right move? I mean, this series specifically, he's averaging 11.5 rebounds per game. He's gone over 10.5 rebounds in two out of four games against the Bucks this series. Got 17 rebounds the first game, 13 rebounds the second game. We cashed on that prop then 6, and then 10. Somehow, some way, he did worse at the United Center. I mean, everybody did. It was weird, but that's the Bulls. Do you think he could get 11 rebounds in this game? Because now what you also have to consider, and the reason we liked it in the first place, is based on the rotations that were being installed by Billy Donovan. I mean, Vooch has to be out there virtually, you know, for like the whole game, and he's really only the big guy out there. Ipso facto, he's snagging a lot of the boards. But again, the last two games, slightly concerning. But what maybe might entice you to bet this over for this game is the fact that Levine is out, who is averaging five and a half rebounds per game this series, and Caruso, who himself was snagging about three. 
I'm not saying Levine and Vooch and Levine and Caruso, or excuse me, Vooch and Caruso were battling for boards, but it definitely opens the door for more opportunities for Vooch, potentially. That's something to consider. So I don't hate the idea of going over for Vooch. No chance that I do. I would definitely bet it over as opposed to the under. But again, it, you know, this guy's being pretty volatile at this point in terms of his rebounds. And... I guess, I mean, you know, we missed it by one the last game and maybe we would be having a different conversation. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, all right, well, he got 10 the last game and he got 17 and 13 respectively in the first two games. Just out of curiosity, you know, what are his odds to record a double-double? Because you get the added security of not having to get 11 rebounds, right? You could get one less rebound than just doing the rebounds prop, and you could just get him to get 10 like he did the last game. So for him to record a double-double, Bet Rivers had the best number. You're still laying a hefty price, but the yes is minus 157, and the no is plus 120. Now, he's recorded a double-double in three out of four games versus Milwaukee this series. He's scored in the double digits. In each game, he's averaging 19 and a half points per game. Again, the one game he didn't get it is because he had the six rebounds in game three. Versus Milwaukee during the regular season, he only scored in single digits just once. He didn't get a double-double every time, but every other time, except for once, he at least got 10 or more points. You can rely on that with Vooch. I honestly think this is a pretty decent bet. I don't like laying minus 157. I'm not saying I'm betting it, but if you're a little bit scared of 10 in the hook, that one extra rebound really scares you, then maybe you look for a double-double. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'd probably steer clear just because you have to rely on two categories, right? Not only do you have to get him to score double digits, but of course you have to get him to get double-digit rebounds. And is it really worth, you know, potentially 51 cents more to get virtually an extra rebound in your favor and then him also to have to get double-digit points? No, it's not. So again, I'm talking about this because, yeah, I would bet the yes if I were doing this. But I think at the end of the day, the smarter option is to just do his rebounds over 10.5 for a cheaper price. You don't have to rely on the points. If some unforeseen circumstance in the series occurs and he doesn't score for anything, well, then you'd get screwed and you're paying a hefty price to do so. So if you're looking for anything with Booch, I would consider over 10.5 rebounds. Let's stick with the big men, though. This is a bet that I am making. Giannis Antetokounmpo. How many points is he going to score tonight? You're probably thinking, oh my gosh, Danny, he's going to go off for 40, right? The Bulls are in a terrible spot right now, and Caruso was playing okay defense on him, and you're losing Levine, so they're screwed. He's going to go, and no, no, no. I don't think he's going to go off. I mean, sure, he could drop 30, but how much specifically is he going to drop? 33 and a half is his prop. The overs minus 108, the under minus 112. I actually bet the under for Giannis. Now, this series against the Bulls, Giannis is averaging 27 and a half points per game. And he has not gone over 33 and a half points in any of the four games thus far. Scored 27 in game one, 33 in game two, 18 in game three, 32 in in game four. Now, I completely get it. He's been right there in two out of the four games with 33 and 32 points. That's concerning, absolutely. But you have to also consider what this situation for this exact game is going to be. 
The Bucks are 12 and a half point favorites. I know we've seen them as double digit favorites and they haven't come close to covering it. But considering that there's no Levine, no Alex Caruso, this Bulls team facing elimination after what occurred the last two games, there's literally no shot in hell, I believe, at least, that they keep it close. So by the time we get to the end of the third quarter, starting the fourth, I think the Bucs are going to be hoping and looking to sit out Giannis, right? You don't need to stress your top guy and risk an injury. Get him as much rest as possible. You know you can handle this Bulls team, no problem. And if they have a comfortable enough lead, they will sit Giannis and he won't have his average minutes, which he's typically getting. In this series, he's averaging about 34 and a half minutes. But if you look at what happened in Game 3 this past Friday, where the Bucks just absolutely dismantled the Bulls, 111-81, Giannis logged 29 minutes, only took 12 shots, had 18 points, his lowest scoring affair this series. I'm not saying it's going to be replicated to that exact extent, but I think it could be very similar. I think the Bucks will have a comfortable advantage throughout the really the whole course of this game, and again, not need to stress utilizing Giannis. And 33 and a half is a tall number. He has yet to go over it, even in the game where he logged 40 points, or excuse me, 40 minutes. He got 33 points. I get it. He was right there. Took one more free throw. Missed seven of them. I get it, but still. Now, the regular season against the Bulls, just for a deeper frame of reference, he got 30 points in one game, 25 points in another. 18 points in another game, and he went over it just once with 34 points. So the most points he has scored against Chicago was 34 points. And that was when they dominated at the United Center, I believe, the second game they faced him. It's not like he's cruising over it. And if this were any other game, even game four, game three, you know, any game, I probably would not fade Giannis. But because of the fact that they should be able to absolutely dominate the Bulls, who are missing pieces left and right, they're already looking ahead to their next series. They already know they don't want to have to use Giannis that much. If they could sit him out the sooner the better, fantastic. Wouldn't you think the same? Of course you would. There's no need to make him go deep into this game. The Bucs will have control, especially if Grayson Allen is playing like Reggie Miller again. So I am betting Giannis Antetokounmpo under 33.5 points tonight against the Bulls. Speaking of the Bulls, let's go back. Let's go back to their roster and let me tell you about Ayo Desumu. He's an interesting target tonight. Not for his points, not for his rebounds, but I'm looking at his assists. Now, Ayo had made some headways throughout the course of the season from dishing out some dimes. He was facilitating, playing the point guard role in an injury-riddled team and season. And you're kind of getting a similar situation tonight. I mean, again, no Caruso, no Levine. Both of those guys were bringing up the ball fairly consistently during the course of this series. So I'm like thinking to myself, all right, well, what is his assist number at? And I'm looking at Bet Rivers and it's four and a half over under minus 113 each way. And I'm like, all right, well, what do some of these other books have? I mean, is this low? Is this high? Well, every other book has about five and a half. So not only are you getting a number better, you're not paying that much juice, right? It's minus 113 each way. Now, Desumu is only averaging two and a half assists per game this series, and he's gone over it once. Game three, he had five assists. But also, when you look at game three, 
I mean, he only had 18 minutes played. And then he got 29 in game four, two assists in that game. But what can you take from this? Well, the first two games, he had nine minutes logged and seven minutes logged. And he had a combined three assists throughout those two games. So what am I getting to here? Well, we were accustomed to Io playing about 27 plus minutes, right? And without Caruso and Levine, considering he played 29 minutes on Sunday because Caruso got injured, knowing both of those guys are out from the start, we can probably safely assume that Io DeSumo will log 30 plus minutes tonight. And he will have to be the point guard. That will probably be the estimation for his production tonight. I mean, you saw it a lot during the regular season. He had to facilitate. He had to bring the ball up. I'm not saying that's the best option, but that's really the only option he got right now. What, are you going to have Kobe White bringing it up consistently? He's got to play the shooting guard role. Not that he is a shooting guard. He can't hit squat, but you know what I'm saying. So in the course of the regular season, I went back. I looked. I'm like, all right, which games did he log 30-plus minutes? And he did that on 36 occasions. So how many times throughout those 36 games where he logged 30 plus minutes did he go over this assist prop of four and a half? So out of those 36 games, he actually went over four and a half assists in 21 out of 36 of those games. And overall this season, he averaged 3.3 assists per game. Played 76 games. He only went over it in 24 to 76 games. But again, a lot of them were at the beginning of the season where he wasn't a main contributor. They didn't rely on him as much. They will have to tonight. He's going to have to be the point guard. He's going to have to dish it out without Caruso and Levine. And yeah, there's probably a good chance the Bulls aren't helping him out because they're not going to score and hit the open shots. But at least there will be plenty of opportunities. And at least you're getting a better number at an appropriate price at Bet Rivers with his assists at 4.5. Again, over under minus 113 each way. The reason I'm not necessarily enamored with it is, again, because it's hard to trust this Bulls team to knock down open shots. I probably will bet this. If not for a full unit, maybe just a little piece at a half unit. But I think if you're looking for a good angle in this unique game, this is one to approach. Just like fading Giannis, because if we can look at this unique situation, assuming if they dominate, they'll take him out, get him rested for the next series, don't risk an injury, we can look to fade him. Hey, the Bulls are missing two guys who would bring the ball up. Well, who's going to fill that void? It would be Io DeSumo. And where can he do exceptionally well in? Not necessarily scoring, but passing. And four and a half, I think, is a good bargain at the price of minus 113. I would strongly lean to the over for Io DeSumo. I'll probably talk more extensively about that on Rush Hour tonight. Again, make sure you check it out. 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, VSIN.com or the VSIN app, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Marquee Sports Network, if the Cubs ain't playing, but they are tonight. We'll get to that in a sec. Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, and YouTube TV. But yeah, folks, I really like that one too. But I'm definitely playing the Giannis under 33.5 points, minus 112, the best number I saw. Tsumu assists. I think I like it too for the fact that every other book is basically offering 5.5. In Bet Rivers, you could get 4.5, and, and it's not really shaded to the over. And this thing may move, so you might want to act sooner rather than later. 
But if you're thinking the same way I am, that he's going to have to be the point guard in this game, then again, the opportunity should be there for him to dish it off. Maybe you're passing it down low to Vooch. Maybe Kobe White open on the perimeter and actually can knock down a damn shot. And maybe you're just feeding DeRozan and he goes quickly into ISO, shoots the mid-range, knocks it down. Or hell, maybe you could do what the only good thing you do on offense is and get out and transition. There are many avenues for Io to get at least five assists. And I think he will capitalize on that tonight. So again, strong lean, not an official play. I probably will play it, but strongly consider Io over four and a half assists. And definitely playing Giannis under 33 and a half points. As for Vooch and his rebounds, I'd probably put that, I, I would go Giannis, Io, Vooch for my confidence in these props. But I do like Vooch over 10 and a half rebounds. Probably won't use that as an official play, but I just wanted you to be aware of that. Because I like still throwing these out. Even if I'm not playing it, you know, let me lead you to the water to help you gather it yourself. Help you make your own decisions. If I'm not giving them out myself, again, I hopefully can at least give you the info to come to a conclusion yourself. So unfortunately, this more than likely is going to be the last Bulls game we preview. We're not even excited about it, to be honest. But I think the general consensus out of Bulls fans, and it's okay to think this way, is that, hey, let's just get out of this. And we're not saying go out there and tank, but you're going in not getting your hopes up. So then you can't be heartbroken. I've said that so many times for this Bulls team. But what's exciting is that we all know what the Bulls need to address in the offseason. And it's exciting because now we can look to see what the front office does. The Bulls made improvements, folks. It was a fun season really up until the post-All-Star break, but DeRozan's MVP run, unforgettable. It was fun. It was fantastic. A lot of highlight plays. Lonzo Ball being implemented was great. Levine being injured stunk. Patrick Williams coming back, making an impact. Eric Jones Jr. posterizing Giannis. Caruso doing Caruso things. like There was a lot of fun moments. And this team can still be solid when healthy and getting a lot of playing time together. But we know what they need to address. They need three-point shooters. They need another big guy. Can they keep Vooch and pair him with a guy like Mitchell Robinson like I was talking about yesterday? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you have to get rid of Vooch. You definitely have to get rid of either Derrick Jones Jr., Javante Green, Kobe White. I'm not saying you get rid of Io. They're not going to do that. But Patrick Williams, what's his availability? I don't know because you virtually have the same offensive player in all of those guys. Not three-point shooters. Not consistent scores. Athletic, can play defense. But you need scoring because your defense obviously isn't holding up to this point and hasn't throughout the whole second half of this season. And again, the front office knows it. Billy Donovan, a lot is being held on him, rightfully so. But also to a certain extent, he's not dealt with the deepest and most skilled roster offensively. There's only so much he can do at some point. But I'm looking forward to the offseason, I'm not going to lie. Like, you knew this was going to happen for quite some time. You could read it the whole year. They couldn't beat a top team. It was great. They did in game two, made us proud, hell of a game. At least they didn't get swept. Gentlemen, sweep. That's fine. We'll cash our bet. And they still showed that they had fight. Like, at least they weren't like the Nets and just disgusting. You know what I mean? Like, that could have been worse. So... You know, that was probably the best case scenario. You wish they kept it more competitive the past two games, but 
You know, I, they're exhausted. They don't have depth. And now you're losing Caruso and Levine. It's just going to get worse before it gets better. But by the time we preview the Bulls for next season, by that time, I think we will be just as excited, if not more, than we were this prior season. Our expectations were them to finish from a third to a sixth seed, avoiding the playing game. Well, they were the first for a while, and then they did end up with that sixth seed spot. In my cap, I said, hey, their absolute ceiling is to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I don't think that was a aggressive take, per se, because you talk about ceilings, meaning the absolute max. You would think the absolute max for any team would be to win the championship. But realistically, we knew the Bulls were not going to be a championship team. But maybe if everything went right and they got some good pieces at the deadline, they could at least get to the finals and then lose. And for a certain point, you believed that, didn't you? Assuming they were going to get everybody back, Lonzo could be back, everybody would be healthy, they would turn it up when it mattered. Kobe White could keep hitting shots. Vooch would be more productive, etc. But that just never really came to fruition. But I have high hopes for this offseason. I'm excited to cover it. We'll see what happens tonight. But hopefully we get Giannis under 33 and a half and Io can dish some dimes at least to cash us some tickets on their way out. Well, at least Isles way out and the Bulls way out. Step up defensively on Giannis, guys. Come on now. All righty. Take a quick break here. Let's talk some baseball. Cubbies on the road in Atlanta. Blackhawks got a game against the Golden Knights. A desperate opportunity for the Golden Knights. Can the Blackhawks be spoilers to their hopes to get into the postseason? I'll let you know next right here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. All right, let's talk a little baseball here on the CityCast. The Chicago one at that. Again, I'm Danny Burke, your host. Remember, you can follow along on Twitter at DannyBurke5. If you don't like Twitter, you can email me, dburke at vsin.com. little disappointed yesterday, not necessarily with the result of the Cubs, but how about the White Sox? Should we be concerned about the White Sox? I'm not previewing their game. It got moved down. It was a night game, like 620, and now it's at, what, like 110? Dylan sees Zach Granke. Line is moving in favor of the White Sox. You happen to be listening to this before then, but uh, nevertheless, I bet the over in that game, we talked about it. Hey, the Royals did their part. They put up six damn runs. The Sox got blanked against the lefty. I get their lineup was hindered, and probably in hindsight, you know what? Stupid me for trusting the Sox to be able to score, oh, I don't know, two runs at least, three runs. Whatever. I, I don't know. That stunk, but it is what it is. The Sox are in a terrible spot. I got people texting me, diehard Sox fans, should we worry? What's going on? Are they just this bad? Look, they're injured, all right? This team cannot catch a damn break. It's actually just 
uncanny, and I honestly feel bad. And I've said this before. I grew up hating the White Sox more than any other team, like more than the Cardinals, more than the Packers, because I had best friends who would just give me crap after crap around 05 when the Sox would win and the Cubs were still being the Cubs. So that grew a hatred within me (laughs) that I had toward the South Side. And now I don't hate them. I only just chuckle sometimes when the White Sox struggle, but because of how lethal the team is, I think they're fun to watch and bet on. Not right now, but I don't have disdain for them per se, but I'm not going to be as disappointed when they lose, I guess I'll say. So sorry to any Sox fans out there, but that's just a true uh, Cubby Blood fan in me. You know how it goes, but look, that's what makes a rivalry fun. But I do believe the White Sox will be okay. You've just got some issues, and one of them being, of course, the injuries. And he can't control that, and it just, I don't know, are the White Sox cursed? Like, why does this keep happening to them? But furthermore, it's your elderly manager, Tony LaRussa, and you knew this was going to be an issue. It was a ludicrous hire when it happened, and it still is to this day. I guess maybe you can only do so much with this lineup, but still. Um... Furthermore, you can't have Dallas Keuchel in your rotation. That's pretty much a given loss every time he pitches. I'm I'm serious. I mean, you need to get healthy with your relief, but your starters, uh, yeah, not bringing Rodon back. I mean, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, Keuchel's a disaster. The rest of the rotation, you really need Kopak and Cease to be reliable. I feel like that's a 50-50 proposition, at least for Kopak. Cease will be solid. And he has been solid, and he'll probably get the dub tonight. But Kopech's kind of a kind of a question mark right now. Obviously, you're waiting for Lance Lynn and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, this injuries have been killing him. And, and I'm going to be honest, from an objective standpoint, even to you Sox fans out here, if you want to look at it from a betting perspective, I am hoping the White Sox continue to struggle because they're going to figure it out at some point. I'd say eight times out of ten, they win this division. And right now, they're minus 210, but I think I saw on Twitter some other people were saying that the Sox were down to like the minus 180s, minus 190 to win the AL Central. And I was talking with Paul Spore over at Fangraphs on my show Rush Hour last night. Great picks, by the way. Just nailed it. And he bet the Royals against the Sox. He also had the Mariners for some plus money. Dude was crushing it. The point being... I'm like, at what point would you look to consider betting the White Sox to win the division? Like, what number do they have to hit for you to pull the trigger? And he said, if it gets under 200, like if it gets into the 190s, I think that would warrant the play on the White Sox. Now, we both agreed and talked about this before the season that the Central's not going to be as easy as it was last season, right? And the Twins, he kind of liked for an undervalued team to maybe play instead of the White Sox if you wanted to go in a different direction. And the Twins are plus 380. We said that the Tigers are going to be tough on a game-to-game basis. That's his favorite team. I mean, maybe you don't want to trust him after that debacle last night. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, please. Um, I implore you to watch that game. But the point being... The White Sox may continue to struggle, right? I just don't think it's going to be throughout the whole course of the season. Folks, we're still in April, okay? We are still in April. Jimenez getting injured. like It's like, can we catch a damn break if you're a Sox fan? But again, I'm telling you, from a betting perspective, this is going to present an opportunity to take advantage of a way better number on the Southsiders than they were preseason. So just keep an eye out for that. It's not the end of the world. 
are not going to win the World Series. At least I don't believe they are. But who the hell knows? I mean, it's so early. If they're healthy, they have the talent to do so. Again, I just don't trust La Russa too much. And, yeah, they got to hit righties. They got to hit on the road. And they got to compete with some damn good teams, which they can't even do with the lackluster teams. But you already know that. But let's wait and see. Right now at Bet Rivers, minus 210. If it gets to the 180, going to be tempting. Unless they look like they still could get worse. And we'll just have some patience and see. All right, let's talk back in the National League now. Cubs lost last night 3-1 to against the Braves. Solid pitching effort from Stroman. Got out of some tough jams. Uh, at the end of the day, the Cubs just failed to hit once again after a solid pitching outing from Stroman. And you can't do that because you know this rotation is bad. You got to take advantage of those gains when you have some of your top pitchers out there. Because guess what? Tonight, you're throwing freaking Mark Leiter Jr. out there. This guy blows. All right? He's 0-1, 11.05 ERA, 4.86 XFIP, 1.91 WHIP, and 7.1 innings pitched. He's got a home run to fly ball ratio of 28.6%. Remember, league average is 10%. Left on base percentage, 44.6%. Remember, you want that in the upper 70s to 80s. BABIP, 300. That's actually right at league average. That's batting average of balls in play. Ground ball percentage, 45.5%. Actually pretty solid. Hard hit percentage, 27.3%. Again, actually pretty solid. So maybe it's not coming as frequently, but when hitters are connecting, man, they're making the most of it. At Colorado for his debut with the Cubs, and eh, not, not a great or ideal spot. Allowed five hits and seven earned runs. So that's why it's a little skewed. But he still did manage to give up three hits, two earned runs versus Pittsburgh. So again, I mean, you know what? Maybe he's not as bad as we're perceiving him because of the, the kind of an outlier of, of playing at Coors Field. I just don't trust him necessarily to have a great outing at Atlanta. Again, I'm not that high on the Braves. I've told you this. But that doesn't mean I would back him, especially against Charlie Morton, who is, yeah, probably past his prime. He's up there. But uh, this season, 1-2, 6.32 ERA, 1.53 whip, 4.84 xFIP. He's pitched over 15 innings, allowed 17 hits, 11 earned runs, 13.6 home run to fly ball ratio, 32.7% with his ground balls, 24.5% hard hit. So really, the numbers aren't that impressive for Morton. And the Braves opened up at Bet Rivers minus 208. Right now, you're seeing a minus $2 flat. The Cubs were plus 175. Now they're plus 170. So a little bit of love for the Cubs. And it's not more so that people per se think the Cubs are going to win. But it's more so that just the price was a little too egregious on Atlanta. Total opened eight and a half. You still see it there. A little bit of juice to the over. Minus 115 with these bad pitchers. That's the only way I'd go. Not bad pitchers for Morton, but more so lighter. But again, can you trust the Cubs to score? Can you trust the Braves to score? I don't, so that's why I probably won't play it. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Cubbies, it's minus a buck thirty. If you want to lay the run line with Atlanta, it's plus 105. Now that open minus 105. So the Cubs have been getting some love on the run line from minus 118 to now minus 130. All right. Interesting to know. Um, Morton also has made 15 starts against the Cubs. He's gone 4-6 and six with a 5.27 ERA, his last win against Chicago. 
Came on April 21st, 2021, almost a year ago, when he allowed five runs and five and one-thirds innings pitched. Braves offensively do hit better at home. 727 OPS compared to 688 on the road. However, the Cubbies, they're hitting better against righties as of this point. Didn't start out that way, but they're hitting 783 OPS against righties. Whereas against Southpaws, the Cubbies got an OPS of 712. I don't really see any value in any part of this game, right? I think maybe, hey, you could look at a yes in the first inning for a run, something like that. The total going over, first five total going over, something along those lines. Uh, let's see what it is. The total for the first five innings is four and a half, a little bit of juice to the over, minus 115. Eh, if you could get four, I think that would be more attractive, of course. But, you know, again, this this just isn't one of those games I see too much value. I mean, do you think Mark Leiter's not as bad as he was those first two starts? And again, he wasn't bad against Pittsburgh, but the underlying metrics ain't necessarily satisfying. They're not terrible, but this guy, what, he had Tommy John and hasn't pitched since 2018 up until this season, so it's been years. I mean, to have him on your starting rotation is an indictment of where the hell you are with your roster. Not great. I don't have faith in him. I definitely trust Morton more. Okay. So that's where I'm at with this game. Honestly, I would probably go with the run line with Atlanta for plus money if I were doing anything, just because I don't want to lay that much with them on the money line. Cubs, they're chartering just as bad territory as the White Sox now. It's worse for the White Sox because of the expectations, but at least they have an excuse of the injuries. The Cubs are just, they're playing like the team now that everybody expected them to. They're not playing like that undervalued team that we saw at the beginning of the year and that we talked about preseason. They got to start hitting. Come on, guys. See a win. I'm not bended. I mean, I'm rooting for the Cubs, of course, but, you know, I was considering Atlanta over their team total. Four and a half was the number. Again, maybe a little too high. Not that they give you four flats, but if you somehow got a four flat and you had to pay some juice, that would be a lot more enticing for me. But again, not doing anything in that game. Let me know if you're playing anything. Again, at Danny Burke 5 hit me up. We'll see what we could sweat out together. All right, we do have a Blackhawks game tonight. Yes, the Blackhawks are still playing, folks. Two more games, including tonight and tonight. Their last home game at the United Center, taking on the desperate Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights have lost their last four out of five games. They lost last night at Dallas in a much-needed game, 3-2 in a shootout. And it's needed because VGK trails the Stars by four points. Both teams have two games remaining, all right? And Vegas holds the regulation tiebreaker, 33-30. The regulation wins tiebreaker, excuse me, 33-30. But they must win in regulation over the Blackhawks and Friday at St. Louis while also needing Arizona and Anaheim both to win in regulation at Dallas to avoid missing the playoffs for the first time in the franchise's five-year history. A lot to ask out of Vegas. And really, well, the other teams. Can't trust Arizona. Hell no. Can't trust Anaheim. Both those teams stink. Vegas probably ain't making the postseason for the first time in their franchise's five-year history. And guess what? The Blackhawks have actually played the Golden Knights tough this season. They beat them 2-1 on January 8th in Las Vegas. 30 saves from Marc-Andre Fleury in that game. 
And then they were up 3-0 in the third, and, well, they blew that lead. Lost 5-4 in OT on March 26, also in Las Vegas. Line opened 227 in favor of VGK. Blackhawks opened as a plus 180 underdog. Right now at Bet Rivers, a little bit of love going toward the Hawks. Now they're plus 175, and Vegas is only minus 205. Total open six, now up to six in the hook, over minus 117, unders minus 103. I actually do like that angle to the over. If you like the Golden Knights, but you don't want to lay over $2, puck line is plus 114. If you want to take the puck in the hook with Chicago, it's minus 136. Thompson was in net last night for the Golden Knights, presumably going to be tending the pipes once again. Um, he is, excuse me, volume coming out of the laptop. Thanks a lot, ESPN, for always playing your dumb videos on the side. All splits for Logan Thompson, the 25-year-old, 9-5-2, goals against average with a save percentage of about 92% and one shutout. And that one shutout has occurred on the road where he is 4-4-1, 2.53 goals against average, and again, 92% with his saves. Uh, he has played one game against the Blackhawks. They got the dub, allowed four goals on 34 shots. That was that overtime game. So again, that was a higher scoring affair, remember. Now Kevin Lankinen, presumably tending the net for the Blackhawks. Can't trust Lankinen, but hey, it is what it is at this point. 7-15-6, 3.53 goals against average, 89% with his saves. At home, he is 5-5-2, 3.18 goals against average, and 90% with his saves. So yeah, he's been a little bit better at home. Against the Golden Knights, he is, uh, well, he had that overtime loss, allowed five goals, 29 shots saved on 34 attempts, 85% save percentage. So look, I, I actually kind of like that angle to the over. Can he get the Blackhawks to score enough, I think is probably your biggest question. That's been the concern about betting their totals going over. But yeah, consensus, this line is pretty much at six and a half everywhere. Okay, so um, that could be an approach to take. Let me see, for example, well, I was going to say if you got it to six flat, what the price would be. But because it's shaded to the over now, it's not going to be that pretty of a price. Like over six is minus 155 if you're sliding that little button at Bet Rivers. But again, 6.5 minus 117. Eh, do some shop and see what you can get. But yeah, I'd probably bet the over in this game, if anything. I don't hate the idea of taking the puck and a half with Chicago at minus 136. I actually, this year I've not taken a puck and a half. I only laid or bet money line or totals, some props. But yeah, 730, United Center. Blackhawks can be spoilers to the Golden Knights, which, you know, typically actually is an added incentive to a lot of teams. And it's really tough to bet hockey at this point in the season. you got to see what teams are desperate and what they need. And Golden Knights would be the reliable team to bet in desperation mode. But they are not reliable in general because they have just stunk. Okay. Shots on goals. Eh, could you get Patrick Kane over three in the hook? Patrick Kane has still been lining up, just being an absolute beast per usual. We don't know what's going to happen in the offseason with him. I think he said if Debrinket is still here, he would like to be here. But if not, well, we'll see what the hell happens. Obviously, that wasn't verbatim, but uh, against the Golden Knights, Patrick Kane had four shots on goal. The other game against VGK, let me scroll down. He had one shot. Well, he only played, 
Eh, yeah, I don't know. Just one shot. So three and a half is the number tonight. Three and a half is also the number for Debrinket. Shaded to the under, but Kane is shaded to the over for his. So we'll see. Nothing that I love with that game. But again, over or take the puck in the hook with Chicago. Don't trust VGK. That's just where I'm at and where pretty much everyone's at right now. Not sure if I'm going to bet any hockey tonight on rush hour. Again, it's kind of a wonky time, end of the season. I mean, the Stars playing the Coyotes tonight, so they need that one. But even if you want to lay the puck line, it's minus 186. Yeesh. Jets and the Flyers. I mean, the Jets, I got to see what their situation is. They may not have anything important to play for tonight. Uh, the Flyers obviously been out for quite some time. But the Jets, sorry, I'm only just, I haven't bet hockey in like two weeks at this point because I don't like, yeah, the Jets have been eliminated. So Jets are out. Stars need the win. They'll get it. Kings and the Kraken. Well, the Kings are just getting for as good a position as they can get at this point. Um, But they already have, a, yeah, they've clinched a playoff berth. I guess it's just a matter of if they could get good seating, which realistically probably not, so it doesn't matter too much for them at this point. So really the two teams that need a win. I mean, you got the Rangers and Canadians, but the Rangers, uh, what's the Rangers deal right now? Yeah, the Rangers got a playoff berth as well. They're not going anywhere where they're at. So right now, the only teams you would look would be VGK and Dallas for tonight, the teams that need a win. Well, Dallas is up to almost $5 as a favorite, okay? And obviously, you don't want to do that. And, of course, like we said, you can't trust BGK. It doesn't mean they're not going to win. I just can't trust them. But Dallas, yeah, I mean, look, you don't want to lay the puck and a half at minus 186 with them. That's just insane. So maybe Arizona gets a quick goal. Hey, then look to bounce on Dallas. Because, again, desperation mode is high for them and for VGK. You could trust Dallas more than VGK, in my opinion. But we'll have more coverage, more bets on Rush Hour. We were talking about the draft yesterday, and I tweeted, or Vison tweeted out the clip if you want to get the play that I officially made at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter, talking about total quarterbacks drafted. We'll revisit the Bears conversation tonight on the program, so make sure you check it out. As always, throw me a follow at Danny Burke 5. Like and subscribe, rate, show the city cast being. Always appreciate it if you do. And always let me know what you're betting could sweat it out together, folks. Hopefully we cash some winners along the way. Probably the last Bulls game of the season. Of the year, rather, now that we're in the postseason. But enjoy it while you can, if you're even able to enjoy it. Don't get your hopes up, even if the Bulls keep it close. You know how this is going to end. We're proud of the boys to a certain extent. But you realize there's a lot of gaps in this Swiss cheese of a team. Hopefully they can fill them and address them in the offseason. Looking forward to covering that. All righty. That'll wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you for tuning in, folks. We'll be back on Thursday. More draft coverage, but if you want it beforehand and other bets in baseball and hockey and basketball, again, check my show out, Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, VSIN.com. Thank you, folks. Best of luck. Take care, ladies and gentlemen.